Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as, as Chris was talking there and leading us in worship, it, uh, I heard him say very clearly to rest in what Jesus has done. Rest and that he knows us by name. And I, I know many people in this room need rest, uh, myself included. Uh, we run. I mean, we're like, we're like hamsters on a wheel trying to get it done, uh, trying to not just work, trying to go to the right parties, keep up the right relationships, do the right things. It's just constant, endless, and, and I pray we could rest more, rest more daily, but especially rest more today on, on your day, on the Lord's day, and that we'd come each and every Sunday to gather as the church, renew, recharge, replenish by the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you that we can do that, but I, we we gotta we either gotta tear down the walls or, or be willing to let you tear them down, and the Holy Spirit just flood our hearts. So I pray that we would do that, or allow you to do that, and we would find rest in what you've done. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you all for being here, and if you would grab your Bible and turn to Ephesians one, we're going to be there, and then also. A little later on, Hebrews 13, excuse me, Ephesians 4, verse 1, Ephesians 4. And I've been doing, a, uh, been doing a series over the last month called Witnesses, and, and I say it's one of the most uh, important series really in the life of our church as we get ready to make this move. Why is it so important? It's because we're laying out some biblical foundations for what the church is and who we should be as Jesus' church. Not what we think, not what we uh, might even know about church, but what the Bible says church should be. Uh, Week one, we talked about stories, how each of you has a story, and church becomes our story together, and then to see it as his story, it gives our life greater meaning and purpose. Week two was about conflict. Big shock, conflict happens in our life, conflict happens in church, but there's actually a very clear biblical way to address conflict, actually several ways that the Bible speaks. We talked about that. And then last week we got into leadership in a church, which is the office of elders, which we do not have at present, but in a year's time we will. And I laid out a process of who elders are, what they do, and how they do it. And you will be hearing more about uh, elders. Now, you know, it's football season, and, uh, and, you know, I'm guilty of that going to games, and, and we're, you know, in and out. So because of that, and because fall is an in and out season, I'm actually going to recap this entire series two Wednesday nights in January. And in a couple weeks, we are going to hand out what we call a, a new covenant for Bellwether. Now, a covenant is not what we think as staff or what John Hughes thinks as pastor. I mean, this covenant literally just like reeks of Scripture. Like if you had to squeeze it, hopefully, you know, like Old Testament and New Testament would come out. But it's about what the church should be. And we're going to ask you all to take it over the holidays, read it. And then in January, if you're like, you know, man, this is home. This is where God's planned in me. We're going to all ask all of us to, to renew our covenant together. So that's coming. And then these two Wednesday nights in January, I'm going to kind of go over this entire series really again and go into some maybe some big questions about, you know, church and moving church or transferring church or why do churches grow? Why do some churches not grow? I mean, what is this whole deal about church? 
That's coming in January because I think this is so important. I think it's so vital. And, you know, we got busy lives. We're a lot of, honestly, a lot of young mobile families. But if you want this to be your home, I really, really hope you key in and track. If not in this series, then in January. And today, this ties in a lot to last week about eldership and leadership. Today's about membership, like being a member of a church. Eric and Carrie were up here and they said, you know, we want to join the church. Last week, the Riley family, we want to join a church. And I want to start off with this question is like, first, like, why even join a church? And, and why do you think you, you should join a church? Why, why would we even join a church? Joseph and I, JJ, talk a lot about, you know, his generation. I mean, I'm like the older generation, you know, in, in, the, in the cool hip 20s, you know, uh, we, JJ's got a quota on cool. So anyway, and we talk about like what, you know, folks his age do. And now they're not even, you know, they're not even like churches. They're like, you know, just podcast camps. And they're like podcast groups or groupies. And they just like hang around together and they, you know, get online and listen to a certain podcast and then they'll respond to it. And that's like their church. Uh, interestingly enough, one big, big mega church, a guy I listen to a lot, really like him. You should check him out. He's, he's pretty strong. He's got him Matt Chandler. And before every podcast, because of this, now he says, he says, you know, man, we're honored that you're checking us out, listening to this podcast. However, however, your, your local pastor at your local church has been assigned by God to you, and he's like your pastor, so do not look at me as pastor or these podcasts as your church. They've started doing that because they have to because so many of the younger generation are like, man, I don't need church. I don't need a building. I, when I got my computer or my laptop or my phone, I mean, I got church right there. You know, and then can tweet, hey, did you hear this? You know, all of that. Uh, now, some of us wiser folks, I mean, it's really in our DNA to, to join a church. You know, I'm going to put roots down here. I mean, my parents, my family, I mean, same church, three generations. Love that church. It's kind of the dearest place on earth. I talked about that. You know, it's got roots there. Our families help grow that church, build that church. And I know some of y'all are feeling that about Bellworth. Thank God. Praise God. That's how God grows his church. Other folks, you know, kind of young Young families, like, man, you know, let me figure out which church, and, you know, maybe they got a good youth program or a good family or good kids, and that's where we're going to be. Or, hey, you know, a lot of my peers go here. I mean, that's, those are reasons why you join a church. But the question is, why should you join a church when nowhere in Scripture does it say you should join a church? Nowhere. No, I mean, not, you know, Jesus doesn't say it. Nowhere does Paul say, you should join a church, Ephesus. You should join a church, Corinthians. You should join a church, people in Galatia. Just doesn't say it. So where does that come from? I mean, particularly in our like you know whole freedom individualistic society that we're just you know free and can do whatever. I mean, why should we? Why should we join a church? Well, you know, I would say, and I hope to lay out biblically that not only should we join a church, but there is tons of ample evidence that that membership in a church is is biblical. And that membership in a church, in a body, is how you grow in Christ. If I, if I had to put, you know, you're like, well, what is church supposed to do? Church is, you know Christ there, you get to know him better, and then you help other people know him. Or you find Christ, you grow in him, you show Christ. That's, that's church. And whatever in God's providence, he decided we need to do that together. Like, it's not just you know, me and my devotional time and my personal relationship with Christ, and I'm good, I'm good. Whatever reason, God orchestrated his plan through a church, through people together. I always like to say, 
The church is God's plan A and there's no plan B. Because Jesus talked about the church. Jesus said, hey, I'm starting my church on you, Peter. Jesus said, hey, you're going to be my witnesses, Acts 1-8. And then every letter was written to a church or churches. And church, local churches is the deal. It's the gig. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I'm going to use some World War II. And I love World War II. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, guy, famous, one of my heroes, got martyred in World War II, pastor. But he wrote a book on the church, and he called it simply Life Together. I love that. Life Together. I mean, as pastor, I, I feel called to some of you. I mean, you're like, not all of you. No, I mean, I feel called. But there are certain people, I'm like, man, I want to I do my whole life with these people. I hope you, like, I want to do my whole life with this community, with this church, Life Together. But it's hard. World War II, something else. You know, often Jesus on the cross and the resurrection is compared to D-Day. I don't know if some of y'all history, you know, D-Day. It's like really the war was won D-Day. And so cross resurrection, I mean, that was it. It's, it's done. It's over. I mean, we're, we're winners. We're victors. Satan defeated foe. However, we're still kind of marching towards Berlin. And a lot of people died in World War II, you know, even after the war was technically won. And there's still a lot of mop-up operation and so part of why church is so hard is that we're moving towards the day when Jesus returns, but there is spiritual warfare and there are different personalities and God works in our minds and sometimes in our hearts and makes it hard. And there's these things like conflict, which I preached on, and it's not easy doing life together. It's easier just going solo. But this is how God intended it and planned it. So let's look at Scripture. Ephesians 4.1. Why... Why should we join a church? Why should you join a church? Not just saying Bellwether, but any church. Why should you join a church? <laughs> Ephesians 4, verse 1. Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. I want to stop right there. Now, if you are Christian here, and I know uh, many of you are, some of you may not be Christian Probably not. But if you are, you've got a call in your life. You've got a call in your life. And Paul is very clear about this. For those of y'all who are called, lead a life that's worthy of your calling. This is very individualistic, this verse. It's about you. It's about your calling. And get this, man. I get a lot of folks who come to me and like, man, I have this call. I have a call. I have a call to go to this country. I have a call to, I don't know, lead this group. I have a call to start this ministry. It's I, I, I. Called, called, called. Man, wonderful. Great. I'm, you're called. However, however, if we're going through Scripture and we're going by the Bible, we, or you individually or me, we cannot fulfill our personal calling without a local church. Let me be very clear about that. You will not fulfill your, your purpose that Jesus has for you. You will not fulfill the way that God has designed you to be if you're not connected to a local body, to a church. Like, whoa, 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 you might say. You know, what, what about like my heart and my relationship with God and that like trumps anything else? Okay, maybe. Well, let's just, don't take my word for it. Let's just go into Scripture. 4.1 says the calling which you've been called. And then verse 2, look at this. He connects us as individuals with a local body. He said, he said, man, you're called. Individually, you're called. But he, then he says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. I, I really want you to see this. This is like biblical scripture, how it connects. 
Paul is connecting our call individually to a local church. This one in essence. He said, man, all of y'all are called. That's great. But you're not going to live it out unless, his exact words, unless you're bearing with one another in love. Unless you're in it together. Unless you're bearing with one another in love. Maintaining a unity of the Spirit. Now, I don't know if you're tracking me or not, but, but he's literally saying, yes, you're called in Christ. But it happens through a local church. And it takes work and effort to like bear with one another. I've said it, you've heard me preach on this, like living solo, and like, you know, last week I talked about God, you know, you want to live in hangover world, and God's calling you to band a brother world, but, you know, living in hangover world solo, independent, is a lot tougher than being married. Going individualistic solo, a lot easier than doing it together in a church. But that's the plan God has for us. Use an example here, Lee Waits. Lee, you didn't know I was going to say anything about you. Lee Waits, wonderful lady. She has had this call to bring uh, ministry to, to Jackson Prep. I like saying that, Jackson Prep and Jay. Anyway, to bring this ministry to Jackson Prep. And she told me about it years ago, years ago. And, and, and she's pushed and she's pushed. She said, hey, pray for me on this. Encourage me on this. I've been encouraged. Well, she's gotten different people together. And I know Polly Kellum right there has been involved. And other folks at Prep. And they just they launched this chapel service this week. And it was great. It was awesome, and, and I thought about her. I thought about Lee Stickman because years ago she was telling me these things. And I was, you know, really trying to encourage her. Individual call, and other people had that call too, but I'm highlighting Lee because she had that call. But then she's connected to a church, not just like me as her pastor, but also small groups and relationships here, pray for her, encourage her, support her, where she can live out a call in the world, but yet be connected to the body to get support. Track it with me? And it doesn't, you don't have to be like a teacher. I mean, you, you know, business, politics, medicine, law, we're all called to go out. I preached a whole series on this as you go last month. But we have to be rooted, connected, tied, bound together in a local body for prayer, for, to bear with one another's loads, to love one another. Now, a lot of you might say right here that you'll say, man, I am tracking with you. It's all about community. It's all about relationship. I mean, it's all about, you know, we just want to get together and love on one another and support one another, encourage one another, you know. I, I'm against, you know, like individualism and all that. And I, you know, it's really about community. And I come to Bella because the community and the group and, and loving on people and all relational and everything. Some of you really track on that. And, and some, of, some folks, you know, like just go off on that and like get high on that. RPM's charged on community and relationship. I had lunch with a guy this is about a year or two ago, and this family left a really big church, okay, in Jackson. I'm not going to name the church's name, but a big church, and they were trying out churches, and they came here. They don't go here, but, and I'll probably tell you why. You'll learn why. He's like, you know, man, all these big churches, there's so much structure, you know, so much organization. You know, man, I, I'm just not down with that. I was like, what do, what do you think church is? Like, I'm really a home church guy. Like, what, define home church. He's like, I really think that it should just be, you know, maybe 20 of us, maybe a little bit more, and I just want to meet in homes and, man, cook once a week, and we'll pray together. No structure. I mean, no organization. You know, not, not a leader, not, you know, a person. Just Let's just hang and be, and somebody read the Bible. Maybe we can rotate. That's church. That's, that's, that's pure church. He, I think he used that word. There's a purity to that. And, you know, I wanted to say... Uh, 
you know, where do you see that in Scripture? I didn't. I didn't. You know, I mean, I did want him to come to Bellwether, but, you know, I don't, I don't know. But he was like, man, I, I, they may be worshiping at home. I don't know. But he was like, I just love just, just getting together and, you know, organic. And that's, that's really what church is about. It's about community and the relationships. And look, some folks will say, you know, church is, you know, my church is my group. Or, you know, my church is, you know, hanging out. And look, you can do church at home and everything. But I would say that's not the biblical model for church. And then some of you, like, push back. Like, no, no, no. I mean, that, that's church. You know, it's just where two or more are gathered, you know. And, and there's prayer. And, you know, it's, it's the emotions and the relationships. That's, that's, no, it's not church in the Bible. Like, well, where, what do you mean? Well, I mean, Acts 2. I mean, you talk about structure and organization. You can say Acts 2. They started counting people. Acts 6, the church organized deacons for servant leadership. Romans 16, they started breaking out into groups. 1 Timothy 5, they organized the church to care for widows. 1 Corinthians 7, they organized to care for families and encouraged singles to not worry about being married, but to be, uh, be with your family in the church. Of course, the passage I used last week on leadership in a church passage I used two weeks before that, when you have conflict in a church, that there's an out and an in. I mean, I know that's like, you know, we may not want to, you know, it kind of goes against maybe our, our emotionalism of, like, but it's the scripture. Church in the Bible, it's it actually all, all about structure and organization and members and being in and sometimes being out. It's, it's all in there. I want to go to a passage in Hebrews, a verse. I've never preached on this verse. Hebrews 13, verse 17. And, you know, quite honestly, I hesitate to preach on it now because it's, well, it, it is what it says. But when you read this, um, you know, it makes you think, do, it, do I do this in a church? As, as a leader of this church, I think do... Am I okay in giving an account to God? Talk about structure. Talk about organization. Hebrews is clear when he says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls and will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with sighing. I love that with sighing, for that would be harmful for you. Now, a couple things before I get into this. Let me just say, it does say the plural, leaders. Leaders, as in not just, you know, obey your pastor or obey your leader. And he's talking about elders, what we talked about last week, the elders that really set the, the governance and the structure and the ministry of the church. But then it says these elders, these leaders, that they will stand before God and give an account for your soul and, and really the life of this ministry that God has entrusted to them. And so, you know, when I preach this verse, this one verse, it's, it is totally not about, like, you obeying, submitting. It's like, if you're going to be a leader, you're going to stand before God and give an account on how you led. And I'll be honest, I mean, that, this verse keeps me up at night. I mean, there's, you're talking about account, accountability, or is there, yeah, I got, I got a ton of it coming down on me. And when you think about joining a church, you probably... You know, you probably don't think about joining a church about, like, obey, submit. You know, it's like, hey, I like the music here, I like the preaching here, or I like missions here, I like community here. I mean, this kind of stuff, like the scripture stuff, you're like, whoa, whoa. But 
God calls us to join a church and to say, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust that person. Trust is a much better I'm going to trust that person to help cultivate my life in Christ and grow my life or my family's life in Christ. And so for me as a leader and other leaders, we can call it staff or future elders, I mean, gang, I mean, I do want to preach this. I mean, like we will stand before the Lord and give an account. We'll give account on some of your souls. I say some because you may not all be here, but the church that's Bellwood, and there'll be others that are not here that will come here, and we'll give an account on, on you. And that is heavy. It's heavy on me. It's like I will stand for dad and have to tell him how I took care of his wife because the church is the bride of Christ. You get that? And if you're going to be an elder here, you will stand for your dad and give an account with how you treated his wife, the church, Bellwether. That is biblical. That is scriptural. That is what's on me as pastor. That is what is on elders. That is what is on, if you're going to help lead and shepherd other people, that's your gig. Now then, I use that verse first, and I know you'd be like, whoa, man, obey. I use that verse first because people will do this if this second verse is going down. And this is Hebrews 13, verse 7. Listen to this. It says, Remember your leaders, those who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. You see, I threw 13, uh, 17 first because that can be jar, obey and submit. Whoa, it's jarring to me. I mean, like if I was sitting out there, I mean, I'm rebellious naturally, so just... It'd be jarring. But you'll do that if you're like, that's someone I could, I want to imitate their life. That's someone I trust. That's someone who I know will love and shepherd. That's someone who I can see a greater spiritual walk and spiritual maturity than I can see in my own heart. And I want that. And so when you, you know, it's not a, the obeying and submitting and the, that's not a domineering thing. That's not that's a thing of like, I trust that person. I trust those leaders. And I know God's anointed them to shepherd this body or me or my family. And I know that it's heavy on them that they will stand before the Lord and give an account. That's what it's all about. And you see them. And it's not just me, but I will say this. It, this verse makes it even heavier. But you see them and say, I want to imitate their walk. Do we have men who are elders who you could say, I want to imitate their walk in Christ? I hope we will. I believe we do. But I believe God needs to flesh it out more. I want to give three quick stories to close to kind of highlight all of this. And the first one is, the first is like in leadership. And why would you follow anybody? Why would you join a church? And something profound happened to me over the summer. It, it literally changed my entire view of ministry. Of, of how a pastor, Bellwether, I mean, it just like totally changed my heart. And I was up in New York, and I did a sermon or two with some stories, but I don't know if I shared this one. And I was doing a class for a doctorate, and they took us to different people, pretty high-profile people in New York, not like, you know, not like, you know, on the cover of People magazine, or like World Glitz Famous, but like New York, they're like doing good for themselves in New York, which is saying something. And one was this guy named Max McLean. You probably don't know Max McLean. If you listen to the ESV Bible, though, online, you'll hear his voice. He does all the deep, rich 
Max McClain voice. But so we met with him, and he's this Broadway guy, very successful, great voice. And one of the questions posed to him was like, what do you look for in a pastor or a leader in the church? And he said, you know, I, um, I think so much is put on like being relatable and like, hey, I relate to this guy or, you know, I could have a beer with this guy or, you know, whatever. And he's like, it's overblown. He said, I've, I've got friends. I've got people I can hang out with. I want somebody I can look at and say, their spiritual life is stronger than mine. They can teach me and I'll follow them. What was interesting is the same question was posed to a big finance guy on Wall Street, billionaire, as it is, that's another thing, and said, what do you look for in your pastor? Said the exact same thing. Someone whose spiritual life is stronger than mine and that I can imitate. And so for me, and I'm hearing that, and for you as leaders, if you're leading anyone, I'd ask ourselves to look in the mirror and say, you know, how is our heart? Because we can't control other people's hearts, but we can control ours. How is our walk? Because we're leading people. And it's very heavy on me to say, man, I, then I'm going to have to live this life and do it with joy that would imitate Christ so others could look at it. Now, there's conflict. We talked about conflict two weeks ago. But there, if you're going to lead, Jesus says, I mean, you're going to have tribulation. If you're going to follow him, you're going to have tribulation. And if you're raised to lead, I'd say... I. I'd attest you're going to even have more conflict and tribulation. And so just in a young ministry, like I've been hit, been hit a couple of times with conflict, with tribulation. And that's not just like towards me. I'm talking about like conflict in the church, pastoral issues, families, all that good stuff. What do we do when it happens? Not just for me, but if you're going to lead, if you're going to grow, what do we do? I heard a story a couple of years ago. And uh, from one of my favorite movies, actually, it's not my, the, the first one was my favorite, Godfather 1. This is from Godfather 2. You're like, I'm not expecting Godfather, here's a Godfather 2 story, okay? Ties into our Christian life. I know, crazy, just bear with me. Godfather 2. And there's a scene, and this guy named Hyman Roth, great actor, Broadway actor, and he says, um, he's talking to Michael Corleone. And he gives this speech, and he says, you know, there was this man, this man named Mo Green, and I loved this man, and I mentored him, and I developed him, and I raised him up as a leader. And then, one day, somebody put a bullet in his eye. I don't know. That's, that's the quote. Somebody took a hit on Mo Green. And when that happened, he said, I didn't ask who gave the call. I didn't ask who ordered the hit. I said to myself, this is the life we've chosen. Now then, that story was told to me at a pastor's conference, so just to be fair there, at a pastor's conference saying to us pastors, he said, gang, conflict happens, this is the life you've chosen. I say that to y'all, if you want to lead, if you want to grow, there are going to be these tough things that happen. And sometimes instead of asking why, we could say like, this is the life we have chosen, to follow Christ. And there's going to be good times and glorious times, and there's going to be challenging times. But this is the life we have chosen. We will honor Christ in what we do and how we handle conflict. And the last quick story is the future, as in like heaven. Like what do you want your entrance to heaven to be like? What do, you, do you ever wonder about that? Do you ever dream about that? 
I saw something about a month ago, and, okay, it was, it was a baseball story, okay? And it's about the New York Yankees, and the Red Sox just won the World Series, so let me throw in a Yankee story right here, okay? Mariano Rivera was uh, pitching his last game, and before he made the final out, two of his best buddies, Andy Pettit and Derek Jeter, walked out and took the ball from Mo. When he gave him the ball, it hit him like this, this was it. This was, this was the end. And he embraced Andy Pettit. And Rivera just started weeping profusely, weeping. And the crowd was standing, big ovation, cheering his name. And he walked off the field. I know you're like, well, how is this tied into heaven? Well, it's funny because I got, I got a uh, YouTube video of that texted to me. It's from a guy, a member of this church. And he said, a wonderful illustration of, quote, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. Here's what I mean. When we enter glory, when we enter heaven, because we're all in the fight, we're all in the battle, there's going to be conflict, there's going to be tribulation, especially if we want to lead. And if we're growing in Christ. And when God says, man, it's time to step down. I'm taking the ball from you. Perhaps you could have two angels or two loved ones or two mentors come out to you. But when you know it's done and you enter heaven, I do believe it, this is biblical. There's the priesthood of saints and believers that will cheer your name. And I know for me, my dream of heaven is to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. It's also my dream for y'all that wherever you are, whatever you're doing, you will say, man, God has called me but I'm called to do this together and be a church and raise his kingdom. And one day, God will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Last thing I'd say is I'd just go back to Ephesians 4, 1 and 2. Paul talks about the call, but then he says, bearing with one another, with one another, one another. In the New Testament, 59 times, one another is mentioned. 59 times. You've got some of them on your bulletin. Now, I'm not going to state them all, but it's pray for one another, encourage one another, love one another, spur one another on when good deeds, care for one another, be at peace with one another, share with one another. One another is the church. One another is saying, it's not just about me. It is at your call, but it's about doing it together. And it's about living a life that others might imitate one day or today. And it's about knowing that there's going to be tough times, but saying, this is the call of my life. This is what I've chosen. And it's going to be good in glory. And it's about hearing one day, well done, good and faithful servant. It's what I want for us. But it begins by saying, I'm going to do this together. And we're going to do this together and share life together and be with one another in Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it is, it is not easy doing or being church, but it is what you have called us to do. And I pray that we would see, pray that we would see your call for us to be here, for some of us at Bellwether, and to say, I'm going to recommit and renew and say, Lord, this is where you've called me, this is where I'm planted, this is where I'm going to grow your kingdom and use my gifts, and go out into the world, and use 
my gifts for, for your glory. Dear Lord, I pray that we'd see that you're shaping us and growing us individually and as a church. And dear Lord, I pray for those who are maybe in tribulation or going through conflict right now. Maybe it's personal. Maybe it's in the family. But they see that you are with them. You're not going to leave them. And you've got a good plan for their life and our life. And I want us to all move towards well done, good and faithful servant. And hear you say that. So, dear Lord, I, I repent of the sin that's in my heart. I ask these others would repent and use this time, use this season, use this as we move into the new church as a renewal individually and as a church. In Jesus' name, amen.